You know, I'm, I, it's really touchy saying the wrong person because I feel like every time we get with someone, they're a reflection of ourselves mm. at that moment. Or there's a reflection, there's something about them that speaks to us and that's why we get with them. Mm. I do believe that um, being vulnerable or playing your whole cards out mm -hmm. is detrimental to them. What's up? It's your boy Sergio's Talks. And I don't have the two other fellas with me today. Today, I'm going to have a very special guest. Actually, our first guest. Oh, I'm the first one. I haven't had a special guest yet Pop since. Cherry. Let's go. So I'm going to let him introduce himself. I go. I call him by JY, but he goes by... Southwest Bully. Southwest Bully. So there you go. Yes. So we are still in the beautiful studio Les Remarqués. So if you guys want to start your podcast, this is the spot to be at. Um, so I wanted to kick things off straight off the bat. Obviously... You know my brother. Yes. Right? So I kind of know you through him. Mm -hmm. um, we've been through high school, through a little bit of time. You kind of went through high school, in a, I, would, I think, in a, a rougher generation than me. Yeah, we were like the last. You guys last were like the last. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, we would walk in and it would be eerie. You know, like you would sense the bad blood amongst, you know, either culture or people and stuff like that. Back then it was very cultural. It was like... Uh, It'd be all Arabs, blacks. The whole thing. Yeah. 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 There was a lot of, uh, like you said, it was an eerie vibe. It was a lot of tension. Yeah. But we were young. We had something to prove. Yeah. A lot of us came from traumatic backgrounds or mm -hmm. dysfunctional homes. So I think from my end, like I'm talking about like the blacks, the Arabs and whatever, we had something to prove. Yeah. But we were the last generation to really go wild, I feel. Yeah. I mean, for, for myself, I didn't, I didn't have a sense of needing to worry about that. If anything, it was, it started to mix a lot. Afterwards, like when I finished, okay, yeah, it wasn't that there wasn't that much of like segregation. There was still like you know the Quebecer whites yeah, with themselves, yeah, yeah. and then everybody else after that, all the other races kind of just mixed together. You know, I was familiar with you know your guys' generation and the people after that. There was, you know, it, it, certain events even happened you know outside of school, right? There was certain you know cliques and gangs that were yeah, all up in that in that business. So obviously, for the people that don't know, because we're gonna segue into that right afterwards, but. Um, you're obviously a business owner. Yes. Right. So, you know, you're a business owner coming from a generation that was obviously brought up in a little bit more of a rough circumstances. Right. Yeah. But I think that's what made me a business owner. Right. Like, and it hit me with like a ton of bricks during, uh, the BLM movement in like mm -hmm. 2019, 2020. Um, I used to be, I came from the streets. I came from selling drugs. I came from, you know, creating that entrepreneurial skill set mm. in the streets, which we don't respect it as that. Right. Because it's seen as, oh my God, that's crime. That's mm -hmm. this, that's that. But the guys that are able to create an empire and feed their families or just help out their families through that, mm. like we don't give them credit right. because it's a it's illegal, because it's a crime. But mm -hmm. um if it wasn't for that roughness, I didn't go to John Molson school right. of business. I didn't finish high school. Mm -hmm. I don't even have my sec three. Right. So if it wasn't for that type of rough upbringing, I mm -hmm. wouldn't have the gym. I wouldn't have the barbershop. I wouldn't have the employees, right. the independent contractors. So it's like. So I find that interesting because let's say, for example, at the time that you probably got graduated and when everything was going down, the internet wasn't as big as it was now, right? No, Facebook just started popping right. off. Right. So yeah. like now we have a bunch of like gurus and mentors that we are able to see online, right? So you at the time, right, obviously it's something that you you ended up learning, right? So yeah. who were necessarily your teachers, even though they might have not have taught you the right way of doing things that we say is yeah, not yeah, right yeah. in society now. But who were kind of like your teachers or your mentors that kind of made you sway one way before taking the more Straight corporate route. route? Yeah. Honestly, 
it's not it's not like literally names I could say on the yeah, mic. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, but it is those people that I grew up with, those people that I was involved with, that I'm mm-hmm. still involved with, their family. At the end of the day, they supported my transition. Mm-hmm. So from being a gangbanger, dope dealer, to wanting to go straight and being like, yo, I'm dropping my flag, I'm not doing mm-hmm. this no more. Those are the people that really showed me the way, showed me right. how to really see a dollar through an opportunity, right? And survive. But probably, yes, though. yes. And even today in the corporate world, it's... I think it's way more savage than what it was in the streets. Mm. The way people really like, they'll go behind your back or like they'll look out for themselves before whoever or the lack of honesty in Mm. business. So it was something I was battling with a lot, but. So you think there's less loyalty now than there was? Oh, horrible, bro. It's horrible. Mm. But I get it now. As I grow older, I get it that everybody is out for themselves. Yeah. Which is normal. Mm-hmm. You got to do what's best for you, right? Mm-hmm. Even as a business owner, some decisions I make that people are like, you'll go around the city and I know a lot of people talk bad about me mm-hmm. because I'm like, and it, it makes me think of one of your podcasts. You say when you break up, it's like, I never agreed to being less than mm-hmm. girlfriend and boyfriend. Yeah. So it's the same thing in business. If you are on my team, I want you to like to win, to eat at my table. But the yeah. minute you cross me, I don't need, I don't want to see you starve, but you're not right. eating at my table no more. Mm. So I will cut, cut st- people off very like cold turkey yeah. and very in a harsh manner. But um, yeah, it's way more savage. It's, it lacks loyalty a lot. For sure. I mean? And I think also as a, as a, as a business owner too, um, you know, obviously being an entrepreneur, everything starts with an idea and a vision. hundred percent. And not everybody is able to see that same vision that you have, right? So how do you how do you go about trying to project that vision that you want for your business and having other people understand and see that vision too? Because it's hard, you know? It, it is, yeah, it's very hard. But at the same time, you have to have a mindset where it's like you bet on yourself. Mm-hmm. So no matter, like, let's say you're on my team and if you don't see the vision, well, that's your loss in the long run. Mm-hmm. Whoever can see it, we'll see whoever gravitates towards you, the law of attraction, that's what's going to be popping. But right. if you don't see it, I can't force you to see it. Mm-hmm. You understand? I can't, like... show you exactly what it is. I just trust myself so much that I know that every step I take in business and every L or every dub I get, Mm -hmm. I know where I'm going. So I know I'm going to attract the right people. I've seen my my team. Like if you look at Bully by Nature when it started in 2014 and what it is today in 2023, Mm -hmm. it's not the same people. The only person that's still there from the get-go when I opened up the first gym in 2017, which wasn't even a Bully by Nature gym, Mm -hmm. is Kadeem. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's a light-skinned dreadhead that's always with me. He's like my younger brother. Mm. He's the only one that stuck through the whole thing. Process, yeah. But, bro, I had over, I think I had over 30 people under me. Mm. And they're not, it's not the same people. There's only one out of all those that's people. That's Yeah. So how do, you, how do you transition now from being the sole owner, the sole head of the gym, to now having a team of 30 people? Like, what's that like? Because, I mean, let's say if I were to ask, you know, JY back in 2014, if you ever saw yourself, you know, having a group of 30 people that you could run. Oh, I knew that. You knew I knew they were going to yeah. have that? Yeah. Like, I, even now, we're talking, I just survived the pandemic. Right. I'm going to be filthy rich. Mm-hmm. My kids are going to be in the best schools. Right. They're going to have the best. They're, they're, they won't go through what I went through. Mm-hmm. Right now, if I talk to you about my financial situation or what I'm cleaning up, the mess in business and mm-hmm. losing three years of business, it's like, you'd be like, yo, you're crazy, bro. How are you going to get there? Right. But I trust, like, like I said, I bet on myself. Mm-hmm. So even in 2014, I knew I was going to always have a team of people. Right. I knew I was going to make it in the States as a trainer. Mm-hmm. All these things. So it's like, it's faith. Right. It's like Nipsey Hussle says, you can't, you can't run this marathon if you don't have faith. Mm. If you can't trust in something that's not really there, mm. then you're, you're already, you, you lost. You're in right. it for the wrong reasons, right? Yeah. 
So, yeah. so now having a team of 30 people, like, do you feel like you're, like you're, is, is it the goal to just, you know, to be as big as you can be? Is it the goal to inspire? Like, what is the, the, the message that you're trying to bring The goal behind? is always, always to inspire. Yeah. It will never change. Right. And that's why I'm, I keep it very transparent. Like, even when I went to Miami, people didn't think I was coming back and I had to come back. Mm. So it's like, some people, their ego would be hit. Me, I'm like, okay, that's just a, a bump in the road. I'm going to make it back. Right. I'm already planning on going to LA and trying to make connections down there. So, um, It's the way of the world is to make those connects. Yeah, know? yeah. So I don't know. It's, it is what it is, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, just going back to, you know, obviously I've, I've never seen the side of a gangbang or anything like that, but in my mind, just by, I've always had like a fascination for, you know, the head honchos, the Al Capones, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, the El Chapos and stuff like that. And if anything, when I was looking at them and hearing and doing my research on them, I'm like, man, these, like these guys are running businesses, you know, in my mind, it's- Organizations. Yeah. Bro. And whenever somebody would talk to me about, you know, like how do I start a business or stuff like that and what, like, what should it do? I feel like some people are so very vanilla, very passive. They're not like, they don't have like the aggression behind it. And like, the one thing I typically tell people is I always tell them to run your business as if you were a drug dealer. 100%. You know? It's the best advice. <laughs> it's literally the best and, advice. You know, not, not everybody understands what I mean because not everybody has, and, and myself included, like I've never had to tap into that mindset by just by looking at these other people and what they had to do and did, to the extremes that they went and getting connections and finding loopholes and just doing whatever it took to get the money on the table. That's a, a different mindset that I feel that people need to have that defines an entrepreneur versus a successful entrepreneur. Well, you know, like you said, you never really thought about what is that asset that they have, mm -hmm. that quality or that mental fortitude that they have. They risk it all. Right. Like when you think about it, like I got homies that every day they got beautiful children, they got a big family and everything. But to them, it's like if I take three years in the pen or mm -hmm. five years or six years in the pen, yeah. at least my kid's in a private school. His mom's not struggling. Right. They got everything. So they risk it all and they think about the future. Like, okay, I won't see my children, but they accept that. Mm. If they take that bid, they're not ratting and like trying to find a plea right. deal or whatever. They're just like, they put it all on the field. They mm -hmm. risk it all. Yeah. And in business, even if you're corporate or in the streets, you have to risk it all if you want to be successful. Mm. So I've risked, risked it all, bro. Like, well, that's why I think it's important too that I think that what, I think it's very important the kind of leader that you are too, right? Because I feel like there are leaders where you care a lot about the people and the community that you build. But I feel like there's are leaders that also just care about the business itself. Where in that case, mm -hmm. it's more so they already have a backup plan that if the business goes under, everybody else is going to suffer but them. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I got to be honest, that, that, that's deep because, yeah, it's like it's always putting the people first. Um, and also, I'm I'm the type, I run my business like uh, one of my boys, he comes to the gym, he says, yo, you're already in real estate. Mm. because I don't really have employees. Mm. I never believed in that. Even though some of the people that are in business with me are like, yo, you should put them on contract and put them on contract as an employee. I have right, independent right. contractors. I want everybody around me to be bosses. Mm. So as much as they're elevating in their business, it helps me elevate in mine. Right. So I'm looking for partnerships. Mm -hmm. So at the same time, it's like, but when you do that, you give that opportunity because a boss will keep you under his spell, will keep you under him. A leader is like, okay, you know what? You run the salon, you pay me rent as if you, you, you're living in my condo or whatever. Mm -hmm. And in a year, you make enough money to open up your own salon. And mm -hmm. I have to be okay with that. I don't have a backup plan. I just, once again, bet on myself. And I know like whenever she leaves or whenever he leaves, yeah. all right, I, I'll figure it out yeah. when that happens. Yeah. You know Le what I mean? So Le leaders, leaders tend to be enablers. Like you enable them to be able to make 100%, their own. Yeah. And, and, and like, um, 
to, to stand out from the rest of the yes, crowd. Yes, 100%. I have so many trainers that were on my team that now own their own gyms and are right. doing amazing. You yeah. know what I mean? And I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. I, I don't want to ever be salty about it. It's like, right. yo, this is what need, needed to happen. I want you to be a boss too. Mm. You know what I mean? So, but am I dying? I'm thriving. You know right. what I mean? So at the end of the day, a lot of people, it's like, uh, there's not enough introspection. There's a lot of bosses or mm. leaders that are fucking insecure. I can yeah. swear, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. They're super the insecure. Time. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, so when you're insecure, you want to keep. It's like when you're in that relationship and you're trying to make that girl believe that she's nothing without you. Mm-hmm. Well, come on, Brody. Like you know what I mean? Same thing in business. I'm not gonna make these people think that they can't. A lot of people, I'm like, yo, listen. You want to keep fucking around? You can make it without me. Right. I could bet on you, but just know I'll do good too. Mm-hmm. So it's like. Pick a lane. Yeah. You want to ride till the wheels fall off or you want to lay down, do your thing. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you're, you're good with or without them. Yeah. So what what would you th- say is the thing that, because, you know, I think there's a lot of people that aspire to be business owners, a lot of people that aspire to be personal trainers, right? What What is it behind, like, where did Bully by Nature first come to be originally? Like, where did that <laughs> like stem from? You know, like why and why fitness? And why fitness? Because yeah. fitness is all I knew after selling dope and just, you know, doing what I was doing in the streets. Right. Um, it was also a way where I was, everything was at peace. Mm. I grew up with a lot of anger issues, like severe anger issues that got me into the worst places ever. And it was my only outlet that wouldn't get me in trouble. And that just benefited me. I got super jacked. I felt better about myself. I was more confident with women. And it just, it always felt like home. So fitness was always after the streets. It was like, and even when I was in the streets, I didn't want to be in the streets. I had no choice. It was a way to, it was a survival mode. I got kicked out at the age of 16. So not being the student type, not being the guy that could take orders from a boss, I needed to do my own thing. So it only made sense. Um, But I chose fitness, yeah, because it was a safe house and it made me feel good. Mm. And Bully by Nature came up because as I was in the streets and I was putting on that weight, I'm short. I'm like 5'9". I'm stocky. So it's like the dudes would call me a pit bull. And then after that, it never really did anything to me. Mm-hmm. But I was like, all right, yeah, yeah, I'm a pit bull, whatever, whatever. I had a few pit bulls growing up. I always loved that breed. Yeah, yeah. But then when you really think about it, when I caught my case and I changed my life, um, I started working at Mansfield Athletic Club in 2000. I think I started in 2014. Which Mansfield... It's super bougie. Yeah, that was about West to Island, like, uh, stay-at-home moms pulling up in their husbands' R8s and just chilling there, not even working out, just shooting the shit. It was like the housewives of the West Island, basically. Mm-hmm. And you got a guy like me. I wasn't even tatted like this. No face tats, no nothing, but I'm just bigger. All the staff is more like they're white, slick back hair. They look like the part, you know? And uh, I come in, I'm deadlifting heavy. I'm doing muscle-ups. I come in with my J's, with my pants below my ass. Like I'm still, I still have that street aura. Mm-hmm. Like my culture is still on me, right? And um, my boss, Patrick Long, bro, that man, he would like create scenarios as if like people would gravitate to me a lot because I was like that that exotic dude just coming mm-hmm. in. Like, and you know, a lot of like rich kids, I feel like they're fascinated by the streets and like yeah. black culture. So they would gravitate towards me. And I feel like he felt the type of way because nobody gravitated towards him and he was a boss. Mm. So... I'm someone, and till this day, I still battle with that. Um, it's like, if you tell me something, even though I know it's not true, I'll introspect and start questioning myself. Mm-hmm. Like, am I really that person? So he's like, hey, you know, a lot of the members are intimidated by you. You know, you're making, you're deadlifting heavy. You're doing muscle-ups. You walk with your chest up and your head high. It's kind of scary. You have to, like, tone it down or else, like, 
kind of threatening me like you got to go. So I thought about the pit bull. And I think that time, 2013, 2014, is where... A lot of pit bulls were being banned from neighborhoods. Yeah. So I felt like that dog, like that American bully. Mm. But when you really look into the pit bull and own a pit bull and you are a good owner, those dogs are caring, loving. They'll risk their life for you. They just want to be there and you're crying. They just want to support you like any other dog. But they have this this like Mm -hmm. profound way of taking care of their owners, right? Mm -hmm. And I always felt like I was that dude. Even being in the streets, I was that kid that like, I was a menace. I was a soldier. I yeah. was in a kingpin. I was a soldier. Like we we were going to war. I'm I'm front row. Mm. So I always had that aggression, like the pitbull does, next to his owner, next to his leader or whatever. But at the same time, like that loyalty I had for my homies or whatever, that love I had for my family in the streets or for the girls I would be with, is what was really inside. So right. the shell looks aggressive. Like you see a, do- a pitbull come in in a poodle. You're hesitant when yeah, you see the pitbull, yeah, yeah, yeah. but the poodle is gonna be like, "Oh, he's so cute." Mm-hmm. But we get skeptical when yeah. we see the pitbull, and that's what my life has always been. Mm. It's like I walk in a room, and the meaning behind "bully by nature" is step into a room with an imposing impression, but the purest intentions, mm. like the pitbull. Like I'll walk. The pitbull walks in the room. He's stocky. He's big. He's growling. You think he's dangerous, but then you just show him you want to play a bit, and he's rolling on his back, asking you to scratch his stomach. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. That's where bully by nature. So when it comes to the community and the people that come into the gym, it's like you could be fat, you could be mm-hmm. skinny, you could be an ex drug addict, you could be a stripper, you could be a drug dealer. Once you're in the dog pound, there's no stigma, <laughs> there's no judgment. Everyone's one of the same. Yes, mm-hmm. we're all we're all American bullies. You know what I mean? Yeah. We all have good intentions because whoever's battling depression through drugs, whoever is stripping on the pole just to pay school, mm-hmm. whoever's selling dope to support their family. At the end of the day, they're all doing it for something positive, for a good intention. Right. But we're just looking at the stigma and like, oh my God, that's horrible. You know what I mean? The, the title, the title being exactly. called a stripper or a drug dealer. Or there you like go. That. So so once so once being pushed back into a corner by your boss, right? What was the transition from Mansfield to then Fuck. owning your own gym? Now I can say because it it's been ten years, but <laughs> <laughs> so we got an exclusive. Yeah. Then. <laughs> so basically, I I was on probation and I wasn't supposed to. Just to clear things up, I have a gun charge because right. I had a, an accident when I was young at the age of 21. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, I got caught with a gun. And uh, so whatever, I went to jail, did my shit, got two years liberation sous condition. And that's when I built Bully by Nature because I had to come to court and be like, yo, I'm not a criminal. I'm not a felon. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it was just an accident. So I started building the brand. But I was supposed to keep a job and go to school during those two years. It was, a man- it was mandatory. Mandatory. And... Um, Lucky for me, they never really questioned it, but I had maybe a year before I was allowed to like quit my job and do my own thing. But the oppression I was getting from my boss and the fact of taking orders, I was going crazy. And I was just like, you know what? Let me put all my energy in bully by nature. That way, when I go to court, they'll just focus on that. Mm. So when my lawyer would come in front of the judge and be like, look, he has clients and my clients would have um, not referrals, but... um, how do you say? Like testimonials? Testimonials, exactly. So they're, they didn't ask about school. They didn't ask about my job. They're just like, oh, he's building something positive. Mm. And he's not getting caught doing anything else. So the transition was really like, I took that risk again. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was saying at the beginning. It's like the difference between those uh, those kingpins and the, that asset that they have is just like, you're ready to risk it all. I knew there was a risk of me going back mm-hmm. and taking the three to five years for that gun instead of just being on liberation sous conscient, but I was ready because I wanted to bet on myself and I trusted myself enough right. to know I could do something. So, yeah. So where was like, where was your, your mental state at when now you had your boss 
you know, kind of dictating how you should be. Yeah. Right? And now you also had society labeling you as one thing because of the mm. charges, right? Yeah. So now with everybody labeling you one thing and also suppressing you to, you know, acting out a certain way, where was your mental state at? Bro, I was hella insecure, bro. Yeah. Very insecure. Like, it's a good question because I'm trying to go back to that kid and I was like, what, 21, 22? Mm. Um, yo. Do you think that kid is still alive in you or? Sometimes. Comes back up? That motherfucker wakes up. Mm. Yeah, sometimes. Um, Do you think it wakes up like the same way that you described a pit bull being pushed into a corner? Do you think it's only in, in times of? Well, the pit bull is triggered when he's pushed into the corner. So right. I feel like if I let people that can trigger, I, I, where did I see it? There was one quote I saw. It's like, um, don't let someone bring out the unhealed version of you. Mm. Whether it's a relationship, business or whatever, or someone just like pressing your buttons. And I feel like that kid comes out when the someone triggers that unhealed version. Right. Because you have people that you can spend days, weeks, months with, and they'll never mm. tap into that part of you. But some people project their shit on you and then it mm. comes out. So yeah, that insecure little kid comes out when it's triggered. Do you feel like you now, are you, do you feel like you're able to control that? Or do oh, you feel 100%. like it comes through like? No, I'm now I'm, and honestly, it's recently. Mm. I think through my last separation is where I really found out how to control that and how to not let that take over my life. So it, I'm more self-aware. So I have tools like journaling, meditation mm. that I really tap into religiously mm -hmm. to make sure I use that as an outlet. You know what I mean? Right. Do you feel like you're using that as an outlet the same way they use the gym at one point? Yeah. Yeah. I think both are still used the same, mm -hmm. at the same amount, at the same rate. Right. Without the two, I think... Mm. You know, and I do believe in therapy. I do believe in, I highly believe in therapy. Mm -hmm. But when that, when that is not um, the number one uh, thing you can reach out to, mm -hmm. I feel like you need to master your own sense of yeah. control. And it's funny you say that because there's a guy that I, I, I watch quite often. It's, it's Jordan Peterson. And he always says that, you know, as, as a man, typically, right, you want to be, you want to be made dangerous. Mm -hmm. Right. But, but you want to make sure that you could control it afterwards. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because just like referencing the pit bull, right. You want to be head honcho, but you also got to know when to control it and when you could be submissive in exactly. moments of vulnerability. Right. Exactly. And that's kind of what I wanted to ask you afterwards, you know, cause kind of being the, you know, the heart, uh, you know, the, the hard shell man that you had to become in order to be, you know, bullied by nature. Yeah. Do you feel that in moments where you were in relationships that you allowed yourself to be vulnerable with them or were you just completely closed off? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's what killed all my relationships, bro. Yeah. My vulnerability. Mm. Um, but do you feel like that was on you or do you feel that you were just with the wrong person at the time? You know, I'm, I, it's really touchy saying the wrong person because I feel like every time we get with someone, they're a reflection of ourselves mm. at that moment. Or there's a reflection, there's something about them that speaks to us and that's why we get with them. Mm. So I do believe that um, being vulnerable or playing your whole cards out mm -hmm. is detrimental to a man. Because once again, society portrays a man as hard-shelled, under control. A woman, if she sees that you have too many weaknesses, she loses security in you. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what was detrimental to me. Mm -hmm. It's thinking, hey, I want to be an open book. Even though like I'm an open book and I'm very vulnerable, but you can't fuck with me. Mm -hmm. Life can't fuck with me. Mm -hmm. Nothing will bring me down. Mm -hmm. But the way the woman is made and the way the man is made, we're logical, they're emotional. So mm -hmm. 
that minute that they feel like, oh, he's not sturdy right now, like they'll lose trust, they'll lose security, and then they'll act a certain way. Right. Project that on you, and then you feel like, okay, I can't trust her, or fuck, we're arguing more now. So, mm-hmm. um, you'll seem like a like a less reliable mate. Exactly. When it's not, it's not a reality. Right. Because um, I could lead, throw me with the wolves, and I could lead the pack type thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean just because I open up my heart to you or I'm vulnerable on camera that mm-hmm. I ain't got it under control. I think I have it more under control than most, mm-hmm. but. It's human nature, right? Yeah. You know, so... So do you think because, you know, there there is like a movement going around where obviously women are, are saying that, are praising a man to be vulnerable and stuff like that, right? Do you think that they're just saying that because it's they're trying to be, um, you know, correct by society and that's the right thing to say? Or do you feel like there's levels of vulnerability and men just take it to the, to the, to the grand extreme where, let's say, for example... You know, in, in the way that I see it, that I think it might be a healthy way. If if I if I take the literal form of what women are saying that they want men to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. I think it's more so like if you're having a bad day, you could say it, right? Not bitch about it. You could say it. You, you could say, say I'm having yeah. a bad day, right? You could still introspect it and deal with it on your on your own behalf, right? Yeah. So I think by just letting them know, because maybe you might be acting a certain way, so you just got to be like, look, I'm going through some shit, but like I'm I'm gonna take care of it. Where I think that when women are saying like open up and be vulnerable, I think that some men take the literal term and then they just start completely Laid. dumping the yes. same way that they see females dump their, their problems or their thought process on men, right? Yeah. And we're kind of there for that, right? We're there to console, we're there to listen, we're there to hear but the rants. But they don't have those tools like that. But they don't have the same reciprocity yeah. that we do, right? But see, and that's where I can't say that, hey, me just telling you I had a bad day and I'm gonna handle it, that's not vulnerability. Right. That's me. Once again, I have to be tough and just dug it out mm-hmm. and just be a man about it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if I don't have my men of circles, if I don't have the barbershop, if I don't have that best friend that I could vent to him and let him know what's going on and cry if I need to, mm-hmm. then suicide rate is going up. Like mm-hmm. right now, if you think about it, last time I checked, cause I'm, I'm very involved in men's mental health. Mm-hmm. I think it was 2020, 2019, 2021 suicide. The percentage of men that are killing themselves, 76%. The rest is women. But 76% of men mm-hmm. are taking their lives. Yeah. Look at alcoholism. Look at drug abuse. Look at when you look at homeless people. How many homeless women you see when you go downtown? Mm. It's mostly men. Mm-hmm. So there's an issue. Because ideally, it would be fun if the same way men need to be more, um, how can I say, empathetic in a yeah. sense and compassionate mm-hmm. um, and listen to their women and listen to them complain and not, Mm-hmm. take it as an attack or something like a burden women need to de- develop that tool too because we're they're losing their men yeah to suicide to drug abuse to alcoholism to homelessness so it's like i don't believe like just to correct you saying like oh yo i had a bad day but i'm handle it that's mm-hmm. not being vulnerable that's just being what we're conditioned to be yeah. which is why i think like it is the right way to be with a woman i think dumping all your shit for me my experience fucked me over <laughs> Cause I come from a troubled home. So it's like mm-hmm. things would trigger in the relationship. I'm like, yo, my mom, my dad did that. No, 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 no. And it's like, yo, I'm not your punching bag fam. Mm-hmm. Like calm down. But, um, if you're able to be, and this is what I'm understanding now, especially with my last relationship is that, you know what? I owned a, I own a barbershop. I make sure that when the men are there, they could open up, they could talk. Like my barber could open up about his situation with his girl and his new girl that he's seeing. And like, there's no woman around. Mm-hmm. So then when you go back to your relationship now, you could thug it out because you have an outlet. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have men around, you don't have that circle. Like there's no, um, 
centre de the refuge for hommes like that mm -hmm. as much as there are for women right you know what i mean so it's like men don't have those resources and it's like i think if you don't have those resources then it's touching maybe you shouldn't be in a relationship if you want to mm. be vulnerable with people because it's like yeah. it's going to be another burden that another garbage bag that you're going to throw on your shoulder that you got to handle and, and deal with that trauma of yeah. losing the girl that you had a future potential with just because you opened up yeah. just because you wanted to be honest you know what i mean it's funny you say that because i remember in my in my past relationship right i was i was i was rock solid man like the amount of patience that i had to endure yeah to to make it still sane after that relationship it, it's it, it stemmed from how i used to handle myself even before then right so even when i was younger so i had my brother i had my sister right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's my half sister. So okay. that means my mom had her first child, which was my sister. My dad had his first child. That was my brother. Mm. So I was their second for both. Right. Okay. So for me, it seemed, I'm not saying that this is how they raised me, but for me growing up, it always seemed that my mom had my sister prized possession. My dad had my brother prized possession. Mm. And I was kind of like the black sheep. Right. So it's crazy. I didn't, I didn't fully go into like a dark path, but there was definitely moments where, yeah, you know, I was carjacking, I was stealing from, I was robbing from people's homes and stuff there like you that, go, yeah. you know, but I, I looked back and I, I know I had a family that at the time was together. They ended up divorcing later, but like I had a family, I had a roof over my head. You know, I had the resources to be something great. And I was just trying to prove something to myself. It was like a cry for help. You know? Yeah, you needed that. You needed that validation because you didn't get it through. Uh, yeah, thousand percent. So, so through that, just to, just to say, kind of like like you mentioned, I had to do a lot of introspecting. I had to a lot of keep a lot of shit to myself because now when that was happening and the cops were bringing me home, where I was getting detention and being kicked out of school, it was always like, why can't you be more like your brother? Why can't mm. you be more like your sister? Horrible, bro. right? So it was kind of like that philosophy that kind of made me close off from the world, just deal with my shit like that. And throughout my relationships was the same thing. If ever I was feeling some type of way, I would shut the fuck up because my burdens are not your burdens. It's, that, it's how I would see it. That's I, unhealthy as fuck. Well, I mean, that's what I've been told. But to this day, <laughs> listen, it got me to where I'm at right now. So. 100%. Yeah. But there's a lot of things that got me the transparency. Mm -hmm. See, in my relationships, they don't work. But in my business and in my world, they work. I'm thriving. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. People love me for that. Like you already knew you could ask me anything tonight because mm -hmm. of that. So, but you see, that's the thing. There's a lot of like, you don't need to go through a deep, deep, very fucked up childhood to have those traumas that are going to handicap you mm -hmm. as you're moving forward in life. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. the fact that your mom had your brother, your dad had, or vice versa, yeah. vice versa. It's like, you felt like the black sheep. So right there, there's a sense of validation that's lacking. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, just the fact that they're telling you like, yo, why aren't you more like your brother? Why aren't you more like your sister? With my daughter, my sister mm -hmm. called me the other day. She's like, you can't say that. There's certain little words that you think are harmless mm -hmm. that you can't say. My daughter, she's a foodie. Yeah, She just wants to eat. She wants to eat. So I give her yogurt. It's like, Papa, I want another one. I want an I'm like, Summer, you can't have everything you want. Mm -hmm. But saying those words will program their subconscious mind and she'll move in life thinking, fuck, I won't get that job as a lawyer. But she doesn't realize it's when daddy said you can't have everything you want. Mm. You understand what I mean? So it's crazy how little, like right when you said that, I was like, damn, <laughs> that for sure fucked you up. Mm. Because it's like the power of your words are very strong, right? Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's basically it, man. But it's also, I think it's also because it's coming from somebody that you're seeing as like a, like a figure of authority. So that's like your hero at the right? beginning. And, and I mean? for me too, like people were telling me that even in school, but at a certain point, like you've heard, like you had heard it so much, you're just like, like, yeah, I know. I'm not like my brother and my sister, you know? Like, but subconsciously, it. subconsciously it plays. Yeah, for I sure. Think, I think that's the thing too. It's like a lot of people, um, they're not aware of their subconscious like programming. 
Mm-hmm. And nobody looks into reprogramming their mind with right. whether it's affirmations or listening to something while you're going to sleep. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people navigate in life and I was guilty of doing that. I was navigating in life where I felt like, yo, everyone's against me. Mm-hmm. Everyone's fucked up. Like mm-hmm. I'm not the fucked up one. Yeah. But then when you introspect, you realize like, fuck, mm-hmm. I was programmed a certain way. I didn't decide to be aware of it. <laughs> and I projected my shit on everyone. thousand percent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, yeah, that's kind of that's that's always typically how I handle because I do like one on one sessions with with clients. Oh, dope. as like a life coach, I call myself a life coach. I, I I I never put the title on myself. I was just being me, helping out other people. And they called you. And a life they coach. called me. They put they slammed the title. And that's on what it me, is. You know? People, you are whatever people think you are. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if, and if that's how you felt that I was to you, then so be it. If if, if me to you, I'm your older brother. Then then that's what I'll that's be. That's what it is. You know. Yeah. And the way that I always do it is that. You know, I, I'll rarely tell someone what to do. I'll never be like, you should do this. This is the plan. You know, this is the plan. And just, you know, follow it through. The way I go about it is always just asking back the questions, right? I'm allowing the person to introspect out loud. Mm. So, because my, my thing is, is that when you go through life, you could either be the victim or you could be the victor. You could either succumb to what life is happening to you. And you could be like, you know, this is only happening to me. And clearly I'm the only person in the world amongst 8 billion people, Right. Or you could realize that there's other 8 billion people in the world. And if something's happening to you, there's most likely something happening to someone else. Right? Yeah, yeah. So my philosophy is always to just make people understand that like this is not happening to you, that you have the means to do whatever it takes to get out of whatever shithole you're in. Facts. You know. Yeah. But the way that you, that you perfectly mentioned it is that people aren't aware of how their subconscious works. People kind of just go day to day, waking up, going to work coming back, eating, sleeping, and, that makes and it repeats victim, itself, yeah. right? And what me and the other guys like to call them, we like to call them NPCs, right? They're just, they're just NPCs, they're computer, they're, they're just AI. Ah, they, just, okay. they, they, they just go through life, right? Always repeating the same thing. And their purpose in life is just a figure. It's just a number. They don't okay, stand yeah, out from yeah, the crowd, yeah, 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 you know? You. Because I mean, if you think about it, there's a reason why there's only one to 2% of the people that run the world. Well, the number is most likely even smaller than that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, there's a reason why is because we're indoctrinated. We're, we're dictated to be a certain way to fit the norms. It's crazy. Man. You know? But then when you have people like me and you or other people that enable, well, all of a sudden, you know, hopefully at one point in time, then, you know, that one to 2% might, you know, grow to, you know, 5% or 10%. They always find know? a way to shut that shit down. Always. Probably. Social media is the number one. Yeah. Social media, I see it all the time. It's like, you don't even know. Your thoughts don't even belong to you no more at all. That's why, like, if you don't know how to turn that shit off and just really, like, you know, that's, there's one thing that's funny. It's like, speaking of subconscious mind and people's thoughts, have you ever realized that people that never want to shut off, they, they need to fill that void when it's quiet. Mm. If you're sitting in a room with someone, like you need, <laughs> yeah. to, it's like, bro, are you good? Are yeah. you afraid of your own thoughts? Are you afraid of being inside with yourself? So one thing I love to practice is like no music in the car. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm, t- I'm sitting with someone, it's like, yo, I'm not going to talk. Don't take it personal. Like we're not talking right now. Like just, no, I don't even have a TV in my crib. Mm. Got that shit out of the house because it's like, I need to be able to be in control of my thoughts because everything is controlled by an outer source, right? Absolutely. Everybody's outsourcing all the time, you know? And it's funny you say that because my routine is is as such, right? I'll, I'll wake up in the morning. I won't touch my phone for the first 30 minutes. If I could go longer than 30 minutes and so be it, right? I'll do... Um, I'll do my daily, my, my morning affirmations. I'll go take a cold shower. I'll do a whole bunch of things before I even go and look at my phone in the morning. Mm. Because the minute I see a negative text or a bad email, or whatever, it's going to hey, knock me off. Trust right. Me. But if I go through my affirmations and I did my cold showers and I did everything else before, I'm already unbeatable in the morning, you know, straight up. And I try to do the same routine when going to bed. I try to, you know, to go back, figuring out what I accomplished throughout the day, 
trying to see what I can do um, for the next day. So that when I wake up in the morning, I'm already motivated. Yeah. And the last thought that I have before going to bed is feeling accomplished mm. and ready for tomorrow. So I try to keep that vicious cycle always going. And it's hard sometimes. Always. I never. Like, I, 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 there's, I don't wake up wanting to do these things. I do it because I have to. Yeah. If I want to be at a certain place in two, three, four, five years time, you have no choice. I have to go through that. And I was not the most dis- like disciplined person before. Trust me. You know? Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. my shit was I'm, like all over the place. Like it was bad. I'm fighting with that. The whole like no phone. Like right away I want to handle business. I have to send this email. I got to answer this text. I got to check who's in the class today. Okay, what do I have? And then it's like, fuck. Yeah. And I like recently I've been failing every morning. I'm like, come on. I still do my meditation. I still do my journaling. Mm. But it's like, I'll grab my phone. Mm-hmm. Boom. And then I'm, I'm scrolling. I'm like, fuck, bro. Mm-hmm. It's been a battle, man. Yeah, but you, you know you, what that is to me though is always trying to remember back. I, the, the way that I see it is always trying to remember back where home is, right? So it's always like, you, like you could be in a certain place, but you always have to remember to come back. You you could you could go off track a bit. You could go on vacation every every now and then, but you always have to come back to the, to the root of 100%. what you're trying to accomplish, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the thing is that life is is not is not linear. And that's the thing that I think that fucks up a lot of people is that they think that, you know, I'm here and this is where I want to be at. But you're going to have to go through so many fucking detours, uphill battles, going down, even, even not even moving for years at a time yeah, yeah, yeah. before you could reach that, you know. So I feel that a lot of the times when people, when they start to stray away, they kind of give up and they just allow to become the victim, right? Rather than giving themselves a decent shot of coming back on track, you know. Which is why, like, they see the highlight reel of people on Instagram thinking, Hey, it's straight line. Right. I'm I'm here. I want to be here. It's supposed to go like this. Right. But you're right. It's it's a roller coaster, man. Yeah. Roller coaster. For sure. And and social media for me, I I mean, I I I use it because I, I need to in order to make it in the world. It's a great outlet. But I hate it. Yeah, trust me. I hate it. Like I don't like especially I was so happy when I didn't have to post pictures of myself anymore just because I thought I needed validation. But yeah. I was the type of guy that before that I was posting a picture, what, once every six months? You know? Okay, yeah. Or I, I was a guy being told, yo, you should update your Facebook profile picture, you know? Because it hadn't been updated in years, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like now, it's like now because I could use that as a positive outlet, right? And I could actually showcase what I want to showcase that can help other people. Yeah. That's the only reason why I use it. But then again, because I'm using someone else's device and someone else's platform, my voice is no longer my voice. You know? That's hard. <laughs> <laughs> that was profound right there. That's hard. No, you're absolutely right, bro. Uh, it's a battle, social media, bro. It's a battle. Oh, a thousand percent. And I wanted to ask one thing because um, uh, I told my girl I wouldn't ask this question, but sorry, I, I lied. Why, why, yeah. <laughs> because she's like, you know, it's going to be weird. I'm like, it's not going to be weird. Why would it be weird? Um, so me, at least for the, for the past few years, I've been excited to be a dad. I've been excited to be a father. So let's go. Right? Bad, bad question. So what do you feel would be like either one or a couple pieces of advice that you would give to me or any other people that are either excited to be a dad or on their way to becoming a dad? Okay. So that's an easy question. I'm glad you asked <laughs> because from my experience, make sure, I'm gonna look at the camera. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you don't, you're not only excited to become a father and have kids. Cause that was my thing. I was like, I know at 27, I want to be a dad. I'm going to be the dopest dad. I'm going to break the Jean-Paul cycle. Mm. I'm going to kill it. My kids are not going to feel the oppression, not going to feel the trauma. I'm not going to lay a hand, a finger on my kids. But that's all I was focused on. So I didn't really think about who would be the ideal mother Mm. for my children. Fuck. And that's what 
the best advice I would tell you is before you decide to plant your seed and grow a family with someone, make sure you know who you're doing that with. Because I have two mothers to my mm-hmm. children. My son, it's a different mom. My daughter's a different mom. Mm-hmm. And it's like going back to that insecure kid. Mm-hmm. When it was time to separate from my second um, relationship, which is the mother of my son, I stayed in that relationship far longer than I should mm. just with the fear of what people would think about me having two mothers to my children. Mm. So it was like, oh, am I going to be that typical Haitian dude that planted his seed left, right, and center? Mm. Like, fuck, fuck, fuck. But honestly, it's like now that I'm out of it, I'm like, no, I was that guy that's a hopeless romantic that has the world to offer, that wants to provide and break the curse of what he grew up in, mm. break the the ideology of the man he saw and provide for a woman, but he didn't really think about, yo, what would be my ideal girl? Mm. Like, what do I need? You know mm. what I mean? So, but the best advice I could give is like, make sure you have the right partner. Yeah. Because I'm lucky where both of my situations, I was able to co-parent and it's going well, co-parenting. But sometimes even when you're in that relationship with the wrong person, your kids are feeling that energy. Yeah, they're very sensitive to it. Yeah, very sensitive. Like, I remember my son was going through some shit because my uh his mother and I were always arguing and it's like, never get physical or anything. It's just, we argue. And like yeah. that energy is just like, it resonates the ki- in the yeah, room. Yeah. And the kids just like, it's like when you walk into a room and you, you could tell that couple just argued. Mm. There's that feeling in the air. So I think it's really important. You have someone you could communicate with that you actually can see as a mother and a wife, but also as a co-parenting partner. Mm. Because my first co-parenting situation for my daughter was the hardest thing I've ever been through. Mm. The hardest thing. And I'm glad I survived it. Mm. I stayed 10 toes. And like my relationship with my daughter is amazing. But I went through some shit. Right. Because some people feel like they don't like rejection. So they'll Mm. do some messed up shit. And um, it's very important that you really choose that right partner. So that's the best advice I could give. Right. And also, I mean, there's also the fact that you're also there wanting to be a part of the children's life too, right? At the end of the day, your relationships are not your legacy. Who you leave behind will be, right? A hundred percent. Your children will be the spitting image of you depending on how you raise them, A hundred percent. And I think that's why, like everybody's like, yo, why'd you come back from Miami? Everything was blowing up. Everything was going good. I didn't want to be that dad that lived in Florida, making a bunch of money, killing it, with all the superstars, training athletes, training rappers. And then my daughter's back here in Quebec. And, oh, why did dad never come back? Mm. And then I I have a daughter that has daddy issues, fucking throwing pussy left and right. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know that, like, yo, wherever I went, my dad followed. No matter if it put him in a bad financial situation, no matter if he had to put his dreams on pause. Mm-hmm. Once again, I bet on myself. I know that that U.S. American bully, like I call myself the American mm. bully this year because I'm like, yo, I'm U.S. bound. I'm going to kill it. I saw my potential. Mm. I made shit happen in a month and a half. I'm like, I could put that on pause right now. These are the most important years of my kids. I'm like, they need to know I'm, I'm going to show up regardless. Mm-hmm. I don't care what's the the circumstances. So, um, yeah, that's basically it, man. I think that's the most important thing. For being a dad. Yeah. that's that's You got to show up for your kids no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, man. And Fuck. I think I think, and, and I, you're you're totally right because I remember, like, even growing up, <clears throat> my parents' relationship was wasn't the best at all. But it, it was just funny because maybe my sister saw you know a few good years. My brother, you know, even less. But me, at least from for as long as I could remember, right? My parents were arguing all the time, all the time, all the time, yeah. all the time, all the time. But for me, I grew up thinking that that was the norm. And then you do that in your relationships. And then I would do that in my relationships. That's what I'm right? saying. And not only that, but then like, and then like when they, when they divorced, 
it was it was so fucked up. And actually, I've never spoken about this yet, except to my brother. But at one point, when they divorced, I only cried because I thought that that was how I was supposed to react. But I wasn't even sad that I was happening. You're like, yes, it's done. You know? <laughs> yeah. I was like, you guys are divorcing. I'm like, yeah, no shit. But in my mind, I'm like, I shouldn't be thinking that way. I should be sad. I should be crying because that's what, you know, I've seen in movies and on TVs and what I think is, sh- you know, how I should act, right? Yeah. So it was like this weird, like, conflict that I was having. And, like, even even with, like, my my breakups and stuff, like, my, like my last breakup, like, we broke up and I was, like, like you said, you know, I was, I, you know, I stood up 10 toes and I was good. You know, like, yeah, sure. I fell down for a little bit, but not and in it'll comparison. come back and forth sometimes. You'll yeah, it'll yeah. come in waves, you know, hundred percent. but, but I was solid and I already told her like, even before we had broken up, I'm like, cause we had gotten back with each other. Right. I had told her from the jump, you know, like I'm good with or without you. And then at the end, when she wanted to break up, I'm like, yo, I'm going to tell you this again. Cause I told you this at the beginning. So I'm telling you now again that I'm good with or without you. So, you know, just make sure that, that you know, this is what you want to do. Exactly. <sighs> so she took a decision. And uh, I might cut this part out, I don't know. <laughs> but now, you know, a few days later, guess who comes back knocking on the door? No, <laughs> no. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's crazy, bro. But, you know, I'm They not, always realize, bro. Like, they always do. But, like, now, like, I'm good. Now, I'm As long I'm, as you have good intentions, they'll yes, always realize. Yeah. A thousand percent. And I, I don't have a single bad blood in my body. You know, I was pure and I stayed pure until until the end of the relationship. I stayed true yeah. to myself all the way through. You 100%. Know? And, like, now, now I'm, 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 I'm in a beautiful relationship. And like now that's obviously being projected out into the outside world, even though I'm keeping it low key, you know, whispers, there's rats all yeah, around, yeah, there's snakes yeah, all around. Yeah, yeah trust me. Um, so I knew that word would get out. But like now it's like, it, it didn't phase me when we broke up then. But now that I have this going on, which is beautiful and which it, that's flourishing, I care even less about that. And that's, that's the beautiful transition of it. Yeah. It's like knowing that like, okay, now... I'm actually at peace because mm-hmm. a lot of people will get into something else just to fill that void. Yes. Yeah. Once again, like we call that serial monogamous. Mm-hmm. I was once like that. It's mm-hmm. like I'd get out of relationship, boom, jump in another one, boom, jump in. And it's like, I'm not even jumping in it for the right reasons. Yeah. It's just because I'm trying to fill that void. But the right. fact that you're able to like now see, oh, I'm in something beautiful and that does not matter to me. Mm. It's like, you know, you made the right decision. Yeah. You know a thousand what I mean? Percent because yeah. I was not even looking. And neither was she. We were not looking for a relationship. Me, in my mind, I was going to be single for the next few years. I was going to grind it out. You know, in two years, I'm going to be, I was going to be in a certain place in a certain state or whatever. And all this comes along, it, you know, at first I was like, fuck, this is going to fuck everything up. I don't want to be yeah. in a relationship. But at least for now, from what I'm seeing is that with this type of person that I'm choosing to be with, we're actually sharing the same path now. So it's like, I'm not going off course. If anything, I'm staying on course. I'm just having a partner on with me. And she's motivating you every and time. And she's motivating yeah. you every time. And God forbid, if ever we don't make, you know, we don't make it out of it, I'm still on my path. I never differed. Mm. I just had somebody come on board. My train is still yeah, going. You that's know? why you need someone that's on the same page. But it took time though. I'm 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 26, pushing 27. Oh shit! You know, so it took me years to to, to even find someone that was remotely like me. I think that's the hardest thing for me. Yeah, is that all my relations, the two last relationships where I had children. It's like both individuals were not as ambitious or mm-hmm. as driven as I am. So it's like, I was the extremist. Yeah. Oh, you're waking up at 4 a.m. You're doing this, you're doing that. Oh, you put business before everything. It's like, no, I'm trying to be retired by 35. Like, I don't want to be working. I want to spend time with my family. Mm-hmm. There's certain things I need to do. But then when someone's not on that same page or doesn't have the same qualities, it's like, they'll project like, yo, you're a weirdo. You're doing the wrong thing. It's hard to see eye to eye. You know, and then I slowed down my grind. Stop posting. <laughs> stop doing my podcast. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. And then after, it's just to make them comfortable. 
And then when you get out the relationship, you're like, fuck. Mm. I miss so many laps and I got to warm up again and start running. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the fact that you find someone that's really like same lane, that's mm. amazing, bro. Well, it's same lane, but also it's a, it's a promise that I had made to myself to also never, like never stop whatever I wanted to pursue. You know, I had a, I had a plan that I set out to do, you know, and there was no one that was going to stop me doing it. And not my ex, not a future potential partner, not a family member, no one, you know? So had I met this girl, let's say, for example, even if you would have clicked on a personality level, if she would have even by an inch stray me away from what I wanted to achieve, yeah. I, would have, I would have dropped her. I would have had to drop her because I made a promise to myself. And if I can't keep my word to myself, then who am I? But even if, let's say you're already too deep, because a lot of people get too deep and then after it's like, oh. I, I would agree, but I'm someone who just to even be interested in you or to think that there's good in you, like you had to have proven to me a lot, you know, because I'm very cold. Okay. When, yeah. when, like before even allowing somebody even have a glimpse in my world, like I'm very cold. Like I have no problem getting to know them, you know, being interested in them and getting to know them. But to let you in into my side of the world, I'm very, very like, like I'm, I'm, I'm cut off. Like you got a screening process. And everything. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, so me. if, if you're able to make a crack in the seam and you're able to take things off big by brick and you're actually able to sneak away in, then that's when I know that there's potential and that's when I might be willing to kind of hear you out, you know? But I'm very quick at filtering out, like this person is straight, this person's not straight, this person's gonna fuck me over, this person's here for the money, this person's here for that. Because characteristics amongst humans, you you know, it's it's repetitive. Yeah. You know? So the minute Those that they- gems, I needed that. <laughs> I needed that, bro. So, Cause there's some people that they'll repeat the same patterns, but they'll just look different than somebody else that did the exact same thing to you. So you might think that they're different because they physically look different, but their intentions but and who not. they are to the core is the same person. You know, <sighs> we're all similar. There's there's a lot of things that make us different, right? Like me and you, we might have similar mindsets on certain things, but at the end of the day, at the root of everything, you had a different upbringing, so did I. Yeah. Right. I'm Latino. You're black. Yeah. Right. You lived a certain part of your life that I didn't. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's some characters and similarities between me and you that could be similar. You know, we might be just as hungry, just ambitious as a hundred percent. So, so that's like, that's why in relationships I'm, I'm the same way. And I, I, and the same way I conduct myself in relationships is the same way I conduct myself in business. Like, and you had mentioned this before too. If I don't fuck with you, I don't fuck with you. hundred percent. So I wouldn't want to have you on my team. Just like I wouldn't want to have you in my relationship. I got to apply those rules, bro. Fuck. I got to apply those rules. I mean, look, we're, we're right on time too. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. So, I mean, listen, look, before we go, this is absolutely fun. I, I, this is, I, I had certain questions that I, that I wanted to go through, but I'm like, no, nah, you know what? I'm sure like, I'm just going to have like a full on conversation and that'll be it, you know? Yeah, straight up. That was, that was powerful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that was powerful. So, I mean, look, before we head out, let the people know what you got going on, um, where people could find you. Yo, you can find me in the West Island, Saint Milneuf, Brival de Sauce. Uh, we got a barbershop, Bully by Nature Barbershop. I got amazing barbers out there. Come get a fade. Mm. We got the gym also. It is a private facility, appointments only. So get yourself a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. Stop sleeping on yourself. Let down the bonbons and all that Uber Eats and shit and just fuck with your boy. Yeah. All right? So, yeah. There you go. So, guys, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. And like you said, if you feel like you have an inner pit bull in you wanting to get out, you know where to find him. You know where to find me. It's been your boy, Sergio's Talks. Southwest Bully, the one and only. I will see you guys next episode. Too.